0: Welcome to The EXA Way, the podcast that explores the successful pursuit of major Canadian publicly funded projects. Join us with experts in capture leadership, proposal leadership, and in their related disciplines who share their experiences and perspectives on the road to success in the acquisition of major projects. The EXA Way is brought to you by The EXA Consulting Group, Canada's complex proposal and capture specialists. I am Alex McPhail. President of the Exit Consulting Group. Today, I'm delighted to speak with Simon Page, Assistant Deputy Minister of Defence and Marine Procurement in Public Services and Procurement Canada. After graduating from the Royal Military College, Simon served a distinguished 35-year career in the Canadian Armed Forces. He retired from the Royal Canadian Navy at the rank of Rear Admiral in 2019. He was then appointed to the civilian position of Associate Assistant Deputy Minister of Materiel, better known as Associate ADM Matt, in the Department of National Defence. In March of this year, Simon was promoted to Assistant Deputy Minister for Defence and Marine Procurement in Public Services and Procurement Canada. Simon agreed to take a moment out of his very busy schedule to talk to me about defence procurement. Simon, welcome and thank you.
1: You're very welcome, Alex. Pleasure to be here.
0: Uh, likewise, I'm really glad you had a chance to join us. So let's let's start with like the easy question. Uh, can you describe the role of the Office of Defense and Marine Procurement?
1: Yeah, I think I can do that. I'll try to do that uh, fairly briefly. So, uh, so our branch, it's a branch. So Defense and Marine Procurement is a branch within the Department of PSPC. And we're responsible for establishing and managing contracts to acquire uh, a really wide range of complex systems for all environments, all our clients. So land, naval, aerospace environments for DND, marine sector for the Canadian Coast Guard, and also now one of our key clients also on the shipbuilding side is actually Transport Canada for some ferries project. Uh, and this, Alex, includes acquisition of military and civilian Uh, aircraft, uh, electronic communication systems, tactical systems, uh, armored vehicles, uh, ammunition, so a very wide range of of equipment and systems. Uh, uh, Beyond that, we're also responsible for the National Shipbuilding Strategy Management and Oversight. We have a specific secretariat in that regard. It's a huge endeavor. We'll be talking about this probably a little bit later, Uh, but it's a a privilege to be involved in such an initiative at the national level. And and we also also provide uh, the governance for all defense procurement strategy uh, uh, projects and programs uh, that are managed at the deputy minister and assistant deputy minister level uh, so we we do the the governance organization and structure of that. So ultimately, if I could summarize, our role is to serve our client departments and make sure that we they are contractually enabled to meet their operational requirements.
0: Okay. So so you're the procurement and contracting organization responsible for uh, for programs in D and D and and other clients. Absolutely,
1: okay.
0: yeah. Okay, so can you tell me how your organization, how it works with other organizations? And I'm thinking about uh, organizations like ADM Matt, where you came from, um, as, and also with uh, Innovation Science and Economic Development Canada, which plays a, a significant role in defense procurement. So how, how do you engage and interact with those other organizations?
1: So great uh, question, Alex, and I think the easy answer here is in a continuous manner, in a collaborative manner. Uh, teamwork is at the forefront of uh, of uh, all we do, and and nothing happens in uh, in defense procurement without uh, good collaboration between the organizations you just mentioned. So ADMAT on the DMD side, uh, the Coast Guard uh, also a big role now transport, so those are the clients. So continuous collaborative engagement with uh, those departments and also uh, developing uh, good relationships, good trusted relationship between uh, these departments is key. Uh, I'm a big fan of governance and governance is key. Uh, So as as we move along these projects, these complex contracts uh, governance is is a key enabler to having the right discussions at the right time. Also, understanding the priorities, uh, understanding risk. Risk management in this environment is huge. It enables us to move forward effectively. So, risk discussions are a key part of our of our governance. Um, you have mentioned. Uh, I said. Uh, I said as a key role in uh, in procurement, uh, we are. Uh, very mindful for each, each procurement of the uh, socioeconomic benefits that it could have for uh, the country. Uh, so they are taking in considerations every time we have a procurement strategy going forward for any of our procurements. Uh, for shipbuilding, it is uh, very much at the forefront. There's a specific value proposition for shipbuilding. So we need to work, what I said, uh, in a very continuous manner also. And, and, and if I could complement with a couple more things, Alex, Uh, We also need to work with central agencies. Uh, We need need to be transparent about what we do. We need early engagement with them. Uh, So they are part of our governance. They are part of our governance at the DM level. They are part of our governance at the ADM level. And it's important that they understand what we're trying to achieve uh, ahead of time. Our relationship with the the Treasury Board Secretariat is key. And their collaboration, especially on the big files, is, is absolutely essential. Um, so there are, there are other initiatives within our structure where, again, all, all departments come together to make sure that, uh, that the right discussions are being uh, held at the right time.
0: So when you mentioned central agencies, uh, obviously you're referring to Treasury Board, but are there other central agencies that you have to work with, like shared services or things like that?
1: So shared services would be um, would not be myself. It would be the okay. acquisition branch of the department, but not myself personally. Uh, we also work uh, hand in hand with the Department of Finance. They need to understand mm, yeah, what, what our budget is, what we're doing in this regard. Um, so and sometimes we'll work also with the uh, the private council office uh, for uh, some specific files and uh, and again they are part of our ADM level governance and also our DM level governance
0: okay so if I can ask you to let your hair down for a moment uh, <laughs> who is Simon page <laughs> like can you share with us like for example I, I don't know an, a notable challenge that that you overcame a success story personal accomplishment something like Who's the person that's, that's sitting in the chair there right now? And, and talk about either in your current role or in past positions. Like Share something with us that people would like to know.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, and that's, that's a fascinating question. And maybe I'll start with a bit of uh, some humor. Uh, my, my wife always tells me that uh, I got to uh, where I am today because of my soccer skills. And, uh, she said that, uh, you know, I was a big soccer player in the, in the KM forces and I, and I coached and, uh, she believes that I spend more time playing soccer than actually at work. So, uh, uh, that's a bit on the, like I said, on the humor side, but, uh, personal accomplishment, you know, Alex, it's, it's actually tough. We're in the business. The mm-hmm. projects and the programs that we manage, they are spread over, uh, a good chunk of times sometimes years we're working on the Kenyan surface combatant project right now. This project will last 30 years. Um, you know, from, from the first time pen went to paper and the last ship that's going to come out of the yard, that will be 30 years plus likely. Um, so, so it's very difficult in our world to pinpoint a specific uh, accomplishment, but I will share with you that, uh, Having been uh, way back, back in the late 90s, when I was a combat system engineering officer for uh, HMCS at the Basque, and that was a very re- rewarding posting for me. Uh, three years uh, on the platform, a fantastic department, fantastic deployments, working with the non-commissioned members and other officers of the Navy in support of specific missions. Uh, that was definitely a highlight of my careers, and I will always uh, have fond memories of my time on the Athabascan. Um, I was also, as you probably uh, know, Alex, I was also the Director General for the Maritime Equipment Program Management Division in the MAG Group. And, you know, you lead a team of 600, 700 people. You spend uh, really good dollar value uh, that the public trusts you to, to spend and and then and then when you see ships and submarines sailing, you know, you see the reward of your division um, you know, at sea doing the business for Canadians, for Canada, for the Navy. So so although maybe not a specific accomplishment, leading that division, leading the group, leading the naval material enterprise, that was a privilege that um still very humbled by the opportunity of having been, been able to do this and 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 probably uh, at the top of at least the, the things that were highly reward, rewarding to me.
0: Okay, so are we going to see you uh, at the World Cup anytime soon?
1: No, I think uh, my prime is behind me, and uh, even during my prime, uh, that caliber of soccer uh, was a little bit uh, uh, beyond uh, my skill level. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so um, well, thanks for sharing. Um, so let's let's look forward now at at. Uh, coming back to your job, uh, what are the key challenges and priorities that you see emerging in defense and marine procurement? Say, like, over the next five years, um, you know, you, you, like, for example, you talked about the fact that 30 years is is a program and so the next five years seems small next to that but at the same time things are changing quickly and i know that you're always under the the eye of of the public scrutiny and especially the media so how how does that parlay into how you see things changing or challenges emerging over say the five next next five years
1: yeah thanks for the question alex you know i think i could speak about that for the rest of the podcast Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll try to summarize some some maybe uh, uh, high-level themes here. Uh, I think the first one, uh, and I think I've already alluded a little bit to uh, to this point, is the complexity of of the projects and programs mm-hmm. we are working on. So um, I think uh, as you want, so when you mention challenge, this this will be one of them. Uh, the, the, the 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 programs, the assets that we're purchasing and building, they are technically complex. Uh, mm-hmm. so the, the management and app is multifaceted and, um, uh, and, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a beautiful and wonderful challenge for our folks, but it's also one that requires a lot of attention and a lot of time and effort. Um, tagged to that is the amount of projects that we are, uh, we are, uh, dealing with. Um, and, uh, and this is, uh, you know, across all clients here, the program at the Coast Guard is very, very busy. Um, they, uh, uh they are putting together a, a full renewal of their fleet. Um, mm-hmm. so that, that the contracts for this are, are all with uh, our branch and DND has still the strong secure engaged defense policy and, and more to come, uh, in, in future years, uh, um as we uh, as we move forward with things, as they move forward with things like NORAD modernization and 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 other items like this. So complexity, amount of projects, they culminate into a very wonderful a challenge. Uh, so tag to that again, the, the amount of resources we'll need to make sure that I think from a priority point of view, for me, making sure we have the right teams with the right skills to work on these uh, endeavors is probably going to be at the top of my list. And, and in government right now, procurement, and that's beyond defense procurement, is also spending a lot of time on enabling social procurement considerations. Uh, items such mm. as indigenous procurement, uh, procurement with black-led businesses, uh, and also uh, keeping a really good eye on uh, the environment. And environmental considerations is now a key factor in all of our procurements. Uh, security. Uh, Cybersecurity, um, uh, things like that. How do we integrate all these, uh, all of these items that not that they did not exist before, but are becoming stronger considerations within procurement as a whole. And mm-hmm. and, and you know, I, I like the way you finished the question. Um, ultimately, we remain accountable to Canada for the for the dollars we spend. So ensuring that we have good value for money for all of these things. Is definitely at the forefront of our business here uh, in the uh, defense and marine procurement branch, and and sometimes when we have such large programs, um, you know, it's uh, that that is a challenge by itself. Making sure that we have the right value for money and we can manage risk and complexity in an effective manner.
0: Mm-hmm. I I have to agree with you hundred percent in terms of the complexity. I mean, I I only see the tip of the iceberg, right? Uh, from my end and and it is incredibly complex from what I see so uh, yeah. thanks for that that's it's I mean it's it's very insightful um, so you know when we sailed into COVID a year ago or just over 16 months ago I was quite worried that business would drop with Exa. I was concerned that it was going to dry up and and that we were kind of bracing uh, for for lean times and if anything it's been the opposite uh, you know our clients have been busy, uh, so we've been busy, and that means you guys have been busy. So, in in spite of COVID, you've still been pumping out the RFPs. I've got clients calling me and say, "Look, another RFP has come out. It's a big one. It's complicated. We we need your help." So you guys are clearly you're doing something right. Um, when COVID came around, you you've adapted to it. You've you've done something, at, which in, in some cases surprises me because um, whenever you're dealing with uh, security classification issues, you know, how you do that offsite, i site mean, I'm, I'm sure you, you probably don't want to talk about that just because of security issues. But the fact that you've been able to move ahead with that is, is really impressive. So I'm wondering if you can share, like, just what are some of the adaptations that, uh, that you've done uh, or your team has done that have allowed you to push things through COVID as well as you have?
1: Yeah, and, and thanks uh, for this, uh, Alex, and, uh, and I think you're, you're, you're bang on. I think government of Canada, um, as a whole, for me, performed extremely well during COVID. We remain engaged and connected. And and I'll go back to my D&D days, if you would allow me a little bit, because for really I've only been in the position I am now for four months, so the, the 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 first year of covid I was I was with DND but working obviously end and in end with uh, the folks that I'm now uh, that I'm now leading um, I think one of the secret um, was um, uh, communications and and mm-hmm. instead instead of saying okay we're in a pandemic we can no longer see each other um, so uh you know, so we'll slow down the business because that's what is to be expected at this time. There was really a focus, an initial focus uh, among the leaders in government, uh, the the DMS that I was listening to in meetings, to to remain on target, and and really to to push us to continue to do business the best we could. And then, so we discovered technology, you know, technology enablers, and you know, so so the zooms and the teams and and the webex and all of these things and then suddenly you realize that hey you're actually executing more governance than you used to because you don't have to leave the building drive park get a uh, get a ticket for your parking and get a par- a building pass and so on and so forth so we were able, we were able to to get the governance going on the D&D side they kept the program management boards going they kept mm-hmm. the defense capability boards going. Uh, they they kept the uh, independent review panel on defense acquisitions going all through good technology. So I think this was this was key, uh, as key as this uh, in 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 PSPC and and DND. Uh, and I said um, we actually got together and decided that we would liaise with our industry. To, through the Defense uh, Industry Advisory Group, what we call DIAG, uh, we would liaise with them on a almost a, a continuous manner. So instead of having uh, four DIAGs a year, we had a DIAG every two or three weeks, and, okay. and we we communicated with them. We gauge where they were; they gauge where we were. We kept them appraised of, like you said, uh, requests for proposals, how bid evaluations were going. Uh, and and Katzi, um, as an organization also did fantastic, keep keeping liaising with the departments to make sure that the Outlook sessions that happen uh, every year would continue to happen in a virtual mm-hmm. manner so industry uh, would stay uh, would stay uh, informed um, and 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 let me also throw here a very nice uh, high five to to industry uh, because. Um, they, I find they have committed really well to coping with, uh, uh, the, um, the pandemic. They, they have stayed in business. Uh, I'll share with you. We, we have a fixed wing search and rescue, uh, project mm-hmm. going on in Spain right now. And in Spain was one of the early, uh, very impacted countries. They, they remain open. They, they saw some impact, but they remain open. Planes kept coming and we accepted a plane in 2020. We accepted another one in 2021. So, uh, shipbuildings, the shipyards for the most part remain open. Um, you know, G- uh, general dynamics lens system in London, Ontario remain open. They kept delivering on the the armored combat support, combat support vehicle project. So, so, so that, that by itself was a, was a, was a, like a huge win for us, and, and 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 enable us collectively to remain on pace with uh, with many of the efforts. And now, I mean, there were there there, there were, and there remain some COVID impact, and, and we're still um, we're still uh, managing this. But overall, I think as a machine, uh, we have done quite well.
0: I agree. Um, You know, a lot. uh, I mean, at Exa, we've noticed it among ourselves and we've noticed it among our clients that we're we're, like we're working harder. And it's in part just because we don't have to commute to work, you know, and and so but we're so we're taking that hour a day uh, that we're not commuting to work and we're putting it into work. So, in fact, we're becoming more effective, more efficient, harder working without spending without taking away from the family time so it's uh it, it has worked out quite well i'm sure you've seen the same thing in in your group where people are are more are they're doubling down they're more effective they're getting things done it's it's really nice to see um, so um, you've you've talked about um, governance and getting organizations to work together in all the departments, and so that's kind of like a nice segue into my next question about the rela- And you talked about industry, so the relationship between government and industry is changing, and in part it's it's changing because of initiatives that the government of Canada is taking. So I'm thinking about, for example, um, uh, in in the Navy. Uh, especially, you have a relationship contract management going on now. I know the Aegis program, one of the largest maintenance programs in in the Navy now, is a relationship contract management based program. Uh, and I know it's not your bellywick but the ITB VP policy is uh, when I'm talking to leaders in industry. Uh, Five years ago, they were saying, "Oh no, you know the ITB VP policy. It's it's a cost that we have to work about now." And if you go back through some of our podcasts, they're starting to say, "Hey, we can build on this. Like this is moving industry in a direction that we now understand, and we can capitalize on this, and we can actually develop strategies that put us in a better position because of the ITB policy." So it looks like over the past five, eight years, Canada has been reshaping its relationship with industry to a positive way. So without giving any secrets, uh, you know, I'm wondering how is that going to continue playing out? Like what what should industry consider in the future uh, when thinking about managing the, the relationship between industry and government?
1: Okay, thanks for the question Alex and, and there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot there. Um, I'll try maybe to segment it a little bit and I'll start with the, the relationship piece. And, and, and it's interesting. Alex, you mentioned uh, Aegis, so the UPS JSS uh, and service support contract uh, because uh, that uh, the contract award for that was uh, during my time as a director general for uh, DGM EPM in the Mac group. and, and it, it was uh, it was uh, an excellent team effort. Uh, and uh, I still remember we wanted to be in contract uh, uh, a year ahead of delivery. And, and we got there and we were very happy. We met, uh, we met uh, multiple objectives um, from, a, from building something that was um, a little bit different, a little bit special. Uh, long-term in-service fr- uh, in support uh, framework. Uh, two platforms included in, in one construct and, and performance. Uh, management uh, performance-based contract with some specific uh, key performance indicators that we would need to manage throughout. So, so the basis of a contract like that, and I think it also links to one of my previous comments, Alex, is, is our projects are long-lasting. Uh, so, mm-hmm. if, if you're going to be, uh, you know, doing some work with a company uh, for uh, five years plus, and in the Navy and in this case. 10, 15, 20, maybe 25 years for a long in, long-term in-service support. And, and by the way, uh, if, if it wasn't clear before, our branch does all the, the, the contract management also for all the in-service support work for, for the assets in D and and mm-hmm. in the Coast Guard. So it's it's that also very rewarding. And and the same is happening on the aerospace contract. So we have long-term in-service support contract for all. Uh, the key fleets, the key air force fleets that uh, DND uh, operates. So, if you're going to be with this company for for a good chunk of years, you you do want a relationship. Um, so it can no longer be um, you know uh, one side of the wall and another side of the wall, and 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 we we communicate in a very binary, black and white uh, fashion. We need to be at the same table. We also need to establish trust. And, uh, and we need to, um, you know, change the behaviors that, uh, that we all, uh, operate under. And, and these behaviors are, um, uh, you know, maybe sometimes it's time to make a compromise. Let's listen to each other. Let's try to put in, 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 put ourselves into, uh, someone else's shoes and, and establish a common intent about the platform and where we want to get collectively the performance of the platform and then manage the details, uh, accordingly. So, so there's a lot there. There's, there's some, there's a cultural change aspect to this Mm -hmm. uh, because many folks in our world are not, are not uh, inclined to think that, um, we are in the relationship building business, but we are. Um, so an industry has a role to play here. They need to acknowledge that this is what we're trying to achieve and they need to play uh, a role uh, in that regard. Uh, I'll go back to one of my um, earlier comments also about governance. Um, As much as we have governance within the government of Canada, we also have governance for all our key contracts. That governance enables us to build these relationships and, and to manage contracts and projects with that in mind uh, and the trust uh, when you see someone on the screen now, but soon again, face to face and and you can see the product, you can see what they're working on. You, you, you can also feel their their priorities and their, their, um, their stress points. And it, it's important for uh, government of Canada and industry to be able to discuss these stress points so that we can, you know, together mutually help each other try to resolve these points. Um, the second segment, Alex, uh, was I think your ITB BP point, and and uh, so when you have these long term engagement, uh, you can actually rethink about ITBs and VPs in a different way sometimes, uh, and actually I shouldn't say sometimes here, all the time, uh, at least think about it and 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 make sure that you put the right brain power be, behind what that could be, and so. ITB and VP led by I said is, is an integral part of all our discussions with industry as we eventually lead to a contract award and post-contract award, we we try to make sure that those are not only maintained, but maybe there's room for improvement, maybe there's room mm-hmm. to increase. And then you know, I said leaving here. They can um, they can slowly and surely detect trends of what Canada is can how Canada can contribute and I think develop some of the strategies you were talking about uh, and and we have you know collectively we manage some of the uh, the kicks the key industrial capabilities so are we tracking the what right, the right one are we are we building a, an environment where these kicks can actually prosper. Is, is industry in line with these kicks? Would they like to go somewhere else? So we can have these discussions. And, uh, and I think in terms of uh, some of the in-service support contracts that we manage, we have done really well in that regard, uh, but there's, there's definitely more work to come. There's, there's, there's some very attractive procurement on the horizon and the ITBVP propositions uh, and strategies for these procurements is gonna be key moving forward. Uh, I hope mm. this answers the question, uh, and you follow. No, it,
0: uh, it does. Yeah. It, it it. I mean, what I'm, what I have been seeing, and what I'm hearing from you, is is um, there's an evolution towards a more strategic approach, that it's not just transactional anymore. It's not um, it's not just get the contract done and then move on. It's this contract is part of a much larger ecosystem, and and that uh, we have to respect what that ecosystem does. And I'm and I'm, and I think that uh, industry. So I, I had a, a good discussion a, a few podcasts ago with uh, Chris Pogue, and and he and I were talking about this. And you know, industry was kind of. St- kicking and screaming going along until finally they realized, hey, this is a good thing. And I think that they've, you know, industry has come to realize it's a good thing because of that long-term vision and uh, that long-term strategy. So, I, no, I thank you for that insight. I think it's, it's interesting. Um, you mentioned uh, strong, secure, and engaged. Uh, so, that uh, defense procurement strategy has been around for, what, seven years now or something like that? Um, can you share some of the challenges that it's created and some of the successes that you can attribute to it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a very nice uh, questions. I think um, Strong, Secure, Engage now, uh, and I know I'm on record here a little bit, but I think we're closing. We have just closed four years. I think it was 2017, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, um, so, okay. Yeah, uh, but uh, still a lot of work to, to come um some of the successes i think and some of the challenges is your question right alex uh mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah challenges and successes
1: okay so for me successes uh, maybe we'll start uh, with that um i think we have we have enabled um almost all key big um levers of the strong secure engage uh strategy so when i look at uh, you know maybe Maybe let me look at the three key components of that strategy, and I'll try to pick one in each one of the the the, uh, the environments of DND, uh, and uh, and then um, and then maybe one more. So on the air force side, um, you know, the future fighter capability project is 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 a key piece uh, for the Royal Kenyan Air Force in DND, um, and uh, for their future uh, on on the fighter side uh that procurement is well in play, uh turning quite well. Uh it's a it's a very it's a it's a complex um it was a complex RFP, it's a complex mm-hmm. bid evaluation. Um we have a phase compliance approach here so that uh, you know each one of the bidders is um is has room to uh make sure that they uh you know they haven't missed anything. And, and so on and so forth, it's progressing well. So I'd like to think that this is one big lever that we have uh, activated uh, in terms of the strong security engage. On, on the shipbuilding side, um, you know, uh, and uh, the, the national shipbuilding strategy is, is at the heart of strong security engage too and, and ensuring that the, the Royal Canadian Navy gets the ship that they need. And again, under that, um, next week there, um, you know, we should be, or sometimes a little bit later this July, we should be accepting the Arctic and offshore patrol ship number two. And, mm-hmm. uh, so a key project, uh, key project within the strategy, uh, moving into the next gear. Uh, they have, they, uh, they have done well, uh, you know, fighting the, the COVID uh, piece and, uh, and they're going to give us, uh, they're going to give the RCN uh, a ship this summer. Uh, so that's kind of moving well. And for me, I would tag this as a success also. And, and similarly, at uh, Vancouver uh, C-SPAN, at C-SPAN Shipyard in Vancouver, uh, the joint support ship is moving along really nicely. And I uh, and, uh, don't have pictures here on a podcast, but I think if you go on the website, uh, I was just looking at a picture recently of the engines uh, being loaded mm-hmm. out. And, uh, anyway, I'm an engineer in the Navy, so uh, call me a geek, but this was uh, quite inspiring and good to see. Uh, on the land side, one of the key projects in Strong Secure Engage is the Armored Combat Support Vehicles. And, and that is actually on target, uh, on schedule delivering, uh, vehicles. Uh, the vehicles are not being delivered to the army yet, but that's part of the plan. They're going to be, uh, they're going to be in a warehouse. They're going to go through some, some testing and, 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 uh, and trials. And eventually uh, there's a plan so that they will be delivered uh, to the Canadian army. But again, uh, another success. And I mentioned earlier the the, the fixed wing SAR project, uh, and, and, and each one of these, I mean, let, let me, I hope, the, the, the audience here doesn't think that everything's perfect. Each one of these procurements has challenges. I spoke about complexity a little bit earlier and uh, and, and but we, we have good governance and we have good eyes on the issues and, and those are being uh, dealt with uh, appropriately and fixed wings are. Uh, we've accepted aircraft uh, and, and we will continue to do so at a known uh, drumbeat. And, um, and, uh, Comox right now has a few yellow airplanes. And, uh, and that's mm-hmm. also for me a part of the success. Um, I think the second question was the challenges. Um, so again, for me, um, challenges, Alex is, um, is making sure there's still a lot to do. Um, there remains a significant part of uh, the policy that remains to be done. Uh, the national shipbuilding strategy is probably in the third inning right now maybe at the top of the fourth uh, in in a baseball game analogy um, but so there's a lot of uh, work to be done there and like i mentioned the, the future father ke program capability project uh, is uh is uh will be in a contract uh uh will be in contract at some point in the near future and that's also going to bring some challenges so ensuring that we can manage the complexity of these projects the the current strong secure engaged portfolio and we know there's more to come and and i think it's going to be putting all of this together and uh, and having a comprehensive approach on all of this with the resources that we have um, so I, I come from dnd um, you know resources were a challenge there i'm now in pspc resources are a challenge there industry um, you know we monitor the workforce for instance within our shipyard very closely uh, they you know that they, they will see some challenges they need to grow so this will not be easy um, so all of this put together uh, we do have other projects logistic vehicle modernization is is going to soon be in in uh, releasing a, a request for proposals so and there are others so managing all this for me alex remains the key the key challenge uh,
0: simon i, w- I want to pull on a thread on something that you said there um you it, and i think you almost said as as um as an incidental thing, almost a throwaway line, you said that you're making sure that proposals don't miss anything, that solutions don't miss things as you go along. You know, in in the I'll call them the bad old days, but you know, 15, 20 years ago, if you submitted a proposal and it was missing a signature or was missing, you know, a, a technical document, it was done. Like that's it, it's out, it's gone. And and uh and sometimes whole procurements were were lost that way. And not only I, I found that not only has It is the government of Canada figured that out, but there's a much more collaborative approach now I'm seeing from government saying, hey, let's make sure that everyone has the right understanding about what we're asking for is coming forward. Let's talk about it and then let us help you put in the best proposal and solution to us. is, And so I've, I've noticed that that's happening. I'm really delighted to see that. Is, is that still, is that part of strong, secure and engaged? Is, is, is that a deliberate outcome of that? Did someone say we need to evolve this process to, to make uh, procurement more collaborative?
1: Yeah, I, I love the question. And, and I'll be very honest, I don't remember if it was part of strong, secure and engaged, but I do remember that it was a key tenet of the defense procurement strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, when when we launched the defense procurement strategy, and I spoke a little bit about governance earlier, governance was at the heart of it, and also good collaboration with industry in all key procurements was also a key principle, a key tenet we wanted to obey. And I find w- we have done this really nicely. And, and Alex, I will note, we are doing this pre-RFP, so before an RFP is released, there is active consultation, a draft in, in, in most complex procurements, draft RFPs will be released. Uh, interested suppliers are asked to have a look, to provide comments and questions. And, 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 and let me share with you that sometimes we receive, you know, triple digit questions and comments and we address right. them all. Uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll merge them. We'll, we'll tabulate them, and we'll address all the questions. We'll release the RFP. We'll ensure that industry has the right time to focus and prepare their bid. Most extensions uh, will be entertained uh, because um, you know we, we want to make sure we get good quality. And then once the RFP has closed and the bids have been received. Not for all, but for some uh, of our very complex procurements, we will do exactly that. We will have a bit of a dialogue and it's very, you know, it has to be rigid. It's a very Mm -hmm. critical uh, process and an important process. So it has to be rigid and meticulous, but, and this will be communicated ahead of time. That's, this is how we will do our evaluation. We will look at this piece. We will uh, ask uh, you to either fix. Or uh, make sure that uh, the questions where maybe we didn't get the details we were expected, uh, mm-hmm. you did not, uh, you know, uh, miss it by mistake, and then and then we move forward. and uh, And I think that is extremely well appreciated by industry. Uh, one thing that I will share with you and X and and with the audience is that it doesn't necessarily speed things up, but in in complex in complex procurement. And sometimes you have to really value speed and and how speed should be actually uh, examined. Because sometimes going too fast will put you in a, right, a very delicate spot later. So th- th- you may want to invest time ahead to be in a stronger position later. Uh, so maybe I'll conclude on that.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree completely. Speed isn't everything. Uh, I I won't name the company, but I used to work for a place a long time ago, and and the unofficial motto was um, we don't have enough time to do it right, but we have enough time to do it again. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, which wasn't very flattering, right? <laughs> and and it looks like like I'm really p- delighted to see how procurement is is throwing that's that approach out completely, and and they're saying okay, let's get this right the first time, so so that yeah, when the proposals come in, and then there's Further clarity to to be defined. It, it's done. It's it's. As a taxpayer, I'm really warm to see that. Okay, let's jump over to uh, another favorite of yours, the national shipbuilding strategy. <laughs> um, so share share your thoughts with us on that. Uh, how did it start? Uh, how did it evolve? And and where is it going in the next few
1: years? Okay, yeah, it, it is one of my favorite topic, um, and um, I don't think I'll commit too much details on how did it start. Um, I will just say uh, a few things is we do in Canada have a built in Canada uh, policy for uh, uh, ships and uh, and the in-service support uh, of our ships and submarines. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and the built in Canada here, uh, maybe I'll put a caveat that doesn't fully apply to building submarines in Canada, but uh, that maybe is a topic for later. But but knowing that we had that built in Canada policy uh, for ships, um, uh, we had something to build on. Uh, there was a, uh, a a very evident realization uh, realization in government, mainly in the and Coast Guard, that we had very very busy programs of work uh, on the horizon. Um, so uh, the necessary brain power. Uh, got at the table and say, okay, I think, I think it's time to look at a strategy, a strategy that would complement the built-in Canada uh, policy and make sure that Canada is well positioned to move forward with uh, these very busy programs of work uh, on the horizon. Um, so the National Shipbuilding Strategy was born uh, 2010, 2011 timeframe. Uh, it had specific uh, strategic objectives. Uh, we wanted to eliminate the boom and bust cycle that we had seen in this country uh, previously, uh, and we wanted also to make sure that the coast guard and the navy were properly enabled to make sure that they get, they they got the assets that they needed uh, on time, so that their requirements were properly addressed with quality and with the right timing uh, that that they deserve. And we also, uh, one of the strategic objectives of the strategy was to, to build a relevant and credible marine sector and event, and also uh, uh, have some economic benefits for Canada. And, and I think uh, in this regard, uh, all three objectives uh, are in motion. They are in progress. They are uh, evolving. And I know that's part of your question, and I'll get there in a second. I think for me, uh, Alex, uh, um, it, it's important to realize, and I find sometimes we, we fail to do so uh, in in our daily discussions about specific projects within the strategy. We fail to realize that we are building a strategy. We are building a national strategy. It's beyond project and program management. Um, and, and one of my key roles I find here uh, one of the key role of my branch is to manage a strategy and make sure that we we manage the performance of this strategy beyond the performance of our programs and, and specific contracts. We'll do that, but we also need to manage a strategy. And a strategy is a multi-decade endeavor. And, and mm-hmm. to my earlier statement, uh, you know, I would probably say we're we're in the third inning. We're probably finishing the third inning here and uh, there's six more to go and and there may be some extra inning for those uh, uh, who enjoy baseball there may be some extra innings depending on on what the requirements will be moving out in the future so so it's important to acknowledge where where we are where we are and and 10 years 11 years into it now alex it's also i love taking steps, a step back and 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 my good friends and colleagues they know me for that if we take a step back and we look at where we were in 2010 and where we are now, uh, from a, the ships that have been delivered, the the, the quality of our shipyards, uh, the modernization that our shipyards have seen, the skills that are built that we are building across Canada, the 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 lives that we are affected that are we are impacting, you know, uh, very recently we had a small search and rescue vessel that was delivered to the Coast Guard. Out of florian Quebec. Well, florian Quebec is not a big, a big place. And and when so when they have work in that shipyard, uh, for me, I, I look at you know what we were, what we are building, and then with the national shipbuilding strategy as a factor to that. And and sometimes we have in mind the, the 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 big projects and the big shipyards, but it's well beyond that. And and I think we're we're on a pretty good track. To, to meet all the objectives of the strategy, but, uh, patience and perseverance are probably good tenets here. So, so how do mm-hmm. I see it evolving? I think with, um, the right level of attention, the commitment to keep learning, uh, the commitment to keep, uh, improving to our earlier discussion, the commitment to build stronger relationships, the commitment mm-hmm. to have the right discussions and at the right time. And, and I only see good things, uh, on the horizon. Um, some, some discussions within the strategy are not easy and, um, and they need a lot of engagement. Um, but I, I believe in, in transparency and, and, and being able to, uh, to tackle uh, these tough discussions, uh, at, at the right moment and with the right level of, of engagement. So uh, maybe one more thing. Uh, we, we also so, sometimes think of, um, uh, of the strategy as the projects, the shipyards and the outputs, the ships coming out, uh, but also a very deep, uh, supply chain across the country here that is feeding the strategy and the projects. And, and I think if you, if you look back at, uh, uh, s- that supply chain and, and it, this, the status of the supply chain 10 years ago and where, it, where it is now, I think uh, you can definitely see an improvement, also. Thanks, Simon. Um, so I, now
0: I'd, I'd like to change gears and jump to one of my favorite uh, <laughs> topics and talk about cybersecurity. Um, so you know, um, so IT is embedded in everything, right? Yeah. And and we no longer talk about IT being separate from it, it's it's inside of everything. And I it looks like cybersecurity is 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 on the heels of that. Pretty soon, cybersecurity is going to have to be part of every solution, no matter what. And and you even mentioned that uh, earlier in response, uh, Simon, You said that cybersecurity was something that you had to identify early in the in the process of a of a project and and integrate it. So, uh, and you know, I, I just for my personal interest, I keep track of of major or interesting cybersecurity attacks. And they are increasing in scope, complexity, reach, damage, impact. They are increasing. Um, so it, it's getting to the point now where I, th- I think, as as an industry, and I'm wondering if if as a government, if you're realizing that cybersecurity now is going to take on an increasingly important role, even a dominant role in the same way as we do, for example, IT, like IT just has to work. And and the two issues are related, right? Um, If if IT doesn't work, everything else fails because it's connected to everything. So what are the key priorities and challenges that you see in the future uh, or even right now in terms of defense and marine procurement uh, when we talk about cybersecurity and cyber resilience?
1: Yeah. And it's a, uh, it's all, it's, it's a fantastic topic. And, and when you start thinking about it and talking about it, it almost becomes overwhelming. Uh, I'll go I back. Agree. Yeah. Uh, I'll go back maybe to my D and D days. And, and, uh, you know, uh, we, we all were thinking, okay, the ship, A ship has two brains. One is platform system focus and the other one is combat system focus. And, and we were all wondering when the initial discussions used to take place in, in the MAG group. Uh, so, so could someone actually take control of the ship here and and, and drive it to a, a specific location without, uh, you know, with the ship's company not able to to do anything? Could someone mm-hmm. fire weapons from uh, from our ship uh, when uh, the system is is totally on? And so th- those those are are, are are I'm not sure if they're great questions, um, but they are definitely great preoccupations. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and you're so right. Everything as IT, uh, and everything as technology. Pretty much everything we buy now has at least a GPS in it. Um, so, uh, and I think the questions here, it would be as much for D and D as, as it is for, for us here in PSPC. Um, but so, so on, on the, and, and I'll, again, I'll give you a two, two segment answer here. Alex, I'll give you first, uh, on, on the technical side how we, how we work. With the customer, uh, to make sure that the technical piece that you're talking about, about potential attacks is, is addressed. And then I'll talk about maybe what we're doing, uh, from an industry engagement point of view to make sure that, uh, um, that industry is, 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 is actually, uh, as ready as they can be for this. Um, mm-hmm. so, so first on the technical side, I think for us, it's ensuring that our customers and, and Coast Guard. Coast Guard is, is as much as a target here as, as DND. Uh, they have similar technology on the navigation and platform system side on, on their vessels, and uh, it's ensuring that the requirements are probably properly captured in the documentation. We, you know, DND and and the Coast Guard, our clients are requirements-based organization. Mm-hmm. They give us a set of requirements, and we make sure that from a cybersecurity cyber resilience, it's properly addressed initially. Uh, one one thing for me, Alex, that is, uh, that is uh, very much on my radar, and I wouldn't venture and say here that this is actually fully in play, but it's something that uh, Simon Page is thinking about, is our in-service support contract. For me, there lies maybe a good chunk of the solution. So, so we buy an asset or, and for DND, we give it to DND. They put it into service. It has the right security, cyber resilience initially as per the requirement. How do we maintain that resilience? How do we maintain that mm-hmm. requirement over time? And I think our in-service support contracts, our in-service support solutions could actually be agile enough to uh, have industry working overtime, whoever is the, the, uh, the, uh, the supplier, uh, the responsible for the sustainment, ensuring that the cyber requirements are met in a continuous fashion. And, and I think we, we are slowly, um, we, we are doing this with some contracts, but without knowing it right now. So mm. it, it's, it's taking that, uh, we, we were doing it from more from a, let's evolve the system and, and let's mature the system. Now we need to do this with cyber in mind. So, so that's the first segment. The, the second one is making sure that the uh, industry is with us here and that uh, we have good communication and that the products that they design for us, that they build for us is as that, uh, as, as almost a, a um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for when you buy a car? it's it's not an option. it's 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 you know it's in the package. Mm-hmm. Um, so so standard. yeah, exactly. it's it's part yeah. of a standard package and and then making sure that our industry can actually work with um, other uh, industrial partners. And in the United States, they have the cybersecurity maturity model certification and mm-hmm. and that's very much at a higher point of implementation. Then uh the equivalent or this the, the program itself would be uh, in Canada and and in PSPC our branch will be the lead uh, um, uh, will be the lead in PSPC and not the lead in government of Canada but we will be the lead to make sure that that model uh, that industry is actually enabled to fit in that model or that we have something similar. That will uh, make sure that we have an equivalency uh, piece in mind, so that they can start continue. They can continue to do business with with uh, U.S. partners and and larger uh, international companies. Right. Yeah.
0: So yeah, you know, so that that model recognizes that uh, you're you're only as strong as your weakest link, and it takes it a community within the enterprise of communities to be cyber secure. So that's that's really interesting. I'm really glad to to know that, that that's one of your mandates.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's within PSPC and, and I'm actually yeah. I'm quite glad it's with us because really right now yeah. it's it's focused on defense and, and we can kind of within PSPC again control our own destiny and, and make sure that we are listening properly to our defense industry colleagues, and that we can take their concerns and really address them specifically.
0: Well, it it makes sense that it's with your organization because you guys touch everything, right? You know, you're responsible for procurement government-wide, and cybersecurity has to be government-wide. Yeah. So, it it makes sense. So, while we're talking about uh, cybersecurity, you kind of slide over to another favorite of mine. (laughs) Um, So... When you talk about cybersecurity, sometimes you have you have to talk about agile procurement, you know, because, you know, the Moore's law thing that everything doubles every two years or every year now or whatever it is. So, you know, if you have a, a five or eight year procurement program and and it's related to cybersecurity, then like it cybersecurity years are like dog years. Right. So if if something is eight years out of date, it might as well be 56 years out of date yeah. when it comes to cybersecurity. So. Um, How do you see uh, that evolving in in terms of making sure that when when industry delivers something that's cybersecurity related, how do you make sure that it is relevant to the needs at the time that it's delivered, not the time that it's specified, at the time that it's delivered, and it doesn't have obsolescence issues built into it? So that's what agile procurement is all about. Now, we had a conference about agile procurement, and I – I promise I'll let you answer the question in a moment. <laughs> um, we we had a conference in April about agile procurement. And if I had one takeaway from it, it's this thing is complicated. Like it's huge. It touches every part of the enterprise. So you, for example, you you talked about how – um, other organizations come to you in a requirements-based in infrastructure and interchange, right? So they come to you with all the requirements. Well, if you want to go to agile procurement, you got to change that to outcomes-based, not requirements-based. Yeah. And just imagine the changes associated in your organization with that alone. Like we're, that's the prerequisite to to start talking about agile procurement. So how do you start thinking about? Tackling agile procurement in order to deal with a ubiquitous uh, threat like cybersecurity.
1: Yeah, <laughs> this uh, this uh, could be, this could be worthy of a <laughs> of a service paper. <laughs> there, uh, <it's>, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and you know, I'll I'll go back uh, without simplifying too much your question. I'll, I'll go back to one of my earlier comments and and um, actually maybe a couple of them. Uh, again, going back to my D and D days. Agile procurement, very interesting, you know, so by itself, we, we are, um, for instance, we are buying a plane. Um, so, um, most of the time, our cost, the customer here, D and D wants a plane. They don't want mm-hmm. a, uh, they don't, they want the plane at a specific timeline to replace a an existing capability. That is suffering because of either obsolescence or can no longer meet the mission. Um, mm-hmm. so, so we have specific timelines. So for us to start doing agile procurement with a plane or a specific mm-hmm. weapon system, um, it's, it's, um, it, it's not really the strategy that is desired by the customer. If the customer right. wants to work on something that would be more focus on a spiral development. I think the the research and development teams would then be uh, more on that path, and they could work on okay. We need something that will do this. Um, we have a bit of time here because uh, we don't have an existing capability or over to research and development uh, to take this through maybe a spiral development, where where we can actually I think really focus. Uh, Alex uh, is to your point about outcome, we want something, the outcome is we want something that remains relevant, credible, and resilient. Uh, Okay, so from an IT perspective, it means that I have a software structure, a software package that probably needs to remain on top of its game. So how do we do that? And and for Mm -hmm. me, a key solution, once the product is received, is actually the end service. So, so, and, and then and maybe we go back to Aegis. So, Aegis is in play now. Uh, Aegis is supporting uh, the first AOPs and soon the second AOPs uh, vessels. So, do we have the right in-service, in-service support solution within Aegis to make sure that the software systems on board actually remain credible, relevant, and resilient? Um, so... That's, I think, what we need to think about because that Aegis framework is with us long term. And mm-hmm. so, so if, 35 years. Exactly. So if probably structured, if, if, if the right investments are made, then you can actually, um, have the right discussion with the prime and maybe with some of the subcontractors about ensuring your platform remains on top of its game. So, so that's, that's, that's one, I think, area that um, that we will be focused on because as you mentioned there's technology now on every platform and and we need a bit of that mindset uh uh moving forward with ships aircraft and and even even land vehicles who have more technology than ever before
0: actually it's interesting you mentioned aegis because the very fact that it has a relationship contract management framework really helps that process. Right? Everyone looks at it collaboratively and says, hey, how, how are we going to make this work together?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's and, and, cool. And for me, we, we, we probably had other, I will call them uh, without being uh, disrespectful, smaller examples of that, at least in, in the Navy domain, uh, with the way we have sustained uh, uh, integrated platform management systems and command mm-hmm. management systems over the years. Maybe not so much with the cyber focus in mind, but now we can, to this construct, we can actually now uh, integrate the cyber uh, piece, and and that for me that is a good example of agility. Maybe not pure agile procurement as it is defined in uh, in uh, on Wikipedia, uh, but uh, but good agile sustainment of assets, which includes some form of procurement. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: You know, Simo, I, we could talk all day, but we're running out of time. <laughs> so, um, I, I just want to thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's it's been fantastic. Um, it's been really insightful. Uh, I've really liked your candor and uh, you know your direct engagement. It's it's been a delight talking to you. So, likewise, so uh, Alex,
1: joining. I've enjoyed all the questions, and uh, and uh, wish you the best going forward.
0: Well, that's because you know all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks um, so much. I've been talking with Simon Page. He's the Assistant Deputy Minister of Defense and Marine Procurement in Public Services and Procurement Canada. And this is the EXA Way. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks for everyone uh, for joining us on this podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed it, and I hope that you found it informative. EXA receives no advertising revenue or funding for this podcast. EXA is wholly owned privately held Canadian company and has no ownership affiliations with any other companies. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals and do not necessarily reflect the position of the Exit Consulting Group. This podcast is copyrighted by the Exit Consulting Group. For more information on this or any other topics, we invite you to join us online and to communicate with us with any time.